Hello, 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 ladies and gentlemen. You are listening to the Westcliff Climb. If you are uh, checking it all out right now, I'd encourage you to please uh, message me. You got questions, comments, uh, hate mail, whatever. Let it fly, okay? Uh, I'll be able to see it in real time, uh, as will the rest of the world. And uh, then we will uh, hopefully have some kind of a dialogue, right? We'll see. My dream was actually that one day you could just like call in, you know, and maybe we'll get to that point at some point. Anyway, um, great to be back with you guys. Last week I was out of pocket. I was uh, doing a wedding uh, up in up in Michigan. Uh, fantastic family. Very cool group of people. Um, wow. Next level. OK, uh, <laughs> I spared no expense. Uh, and it was, it was very, very cool. Had a great time and, uh, got to officiate a wedding for a wonderful couple. Um, today we are, uh, we're catching back up on things. We're going to be looking at identity in Christ. Um, video that we, we put out this past week, uh, if you haven't had a chance, I encourage you to check it out is the, it's challenging the idea of the fill in the blank Christian. Um, and if you're catching that more and more, it's 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 actually very subtle things that we put in front of the name of Christ and in front of the title that we carry as a Christian. And kind of my main point is, well, then it sounds like that's sort of a secondary thing, which then does that make you a Christian? You know, just make it awkward and uncomfortable for everyone. Right. Um, but if you look at it in very subtle ways, that's what we we're, we're into identity politics. We're into categorizing. And I'm back. One is you just make the Old Testament all about an angry, uh, vengeful God that will burn and blow up every last city if he's mad at you. Okay. Um, and so what you do is you go, well, that's an angry God that has nothing to do with with Jesus. Um, that's a that's like the first move. So you really separate. That's all important. Whenever people make those kind of those rhetorical moves or philosophical moves, then it leaves the gaps for them and the air and the space for them to think however they want or take creative license over parts of their life or their social life, their political life, whatever it is. They don't have to make certain parts of their life subservient to the word of God, because some of it we've been able to kind of discount or nullify, if that makes sense. And so, you know, what it that's basically what's kind of splitting the church. And that was the point of the video is it's that's allowing people when you put something in front of the name of Christian. That's that's a problem. And Paul dealt with that as well. You know, just just something to consider. Right. Like John chapter one talks about how. The word became flesh. Um, John chapter one, we'll talk about how um, all things were spoken and uh, through the word. Well, the word became flesh. Who's the flesh? Jesus, right? So whenever you really sit under the full counsel and weight of God, okay, what do we know about creation? Creation was spoken through the, the second person of the Trinity who would later become known as Jesus. So what does that mean? That means the will, the intent, and the design of God is relevant to the ministry and the teachings of Jesus. It means it's relevant for all time, okay? Uh, at the exact same time, 
um, Paul would say in Galatians chapter one, verses 12, I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. So what's Paul saying? Paul's saying that whenever I am teaching you, I'm not teaching you the latest fad or culture, you know, the latest cultural movement or my opinion about the teachings and the life and the ministry of Jesus practically applied to your culture, your country, your world, your society, your marriage, your family. He's like, I, I was taught what I was taught from Jesus. Okay. So that has huge implications because if you now sit under the full weight of all of it, there's a whole lot to, to consider. And where America is really getting, getting bombarded uh, is with all of the the social issues and the social pressures and everything else that's hitting from from our kids and the transgender discussion, um, political stuff from whether it's from Ukraine to China. Uh, you look at the economy. Um, our our current president, President Biden. What's going to happen in the next two years? Then in the election that's coming up, those that side with President Trump. Like there's there's all of this stuff. And one of the things that you'll notice is when people selectively pick and are giving themselves the creative license to selectively pick, one of the most common things you'll notice when a person, like they may tell you that they're, you know, I'm sold out, I'm a Christian, I'm a follower of Jesus, that's my primary identity. One of the first things you can pick up on very quickly is how they identify or define their neighbor. And you'll know immediately, immediately if they've been politicalized politicized. There it is. Nailed it. Right. Like you'll know that almost immediately. Right. Um, because there's a, there's a way heavier uh, sense of tension and struggle that should live within the human heart just in defining your neighbor. And, and here's the other thing is Jesus makes it a lot more uncomfortable when he takes it from your neighbor to even your enemy. He doesn't even give us an out with our enemy. You know, it it would be so much more convenient if he's like, love your neighbor as yourself. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. In terms of your enemies, guys, feel free to punch them in the throat, okay? Uh, and only punch them in the nose on Sunday. You know, or something like that. Like if he just kind of had this, like this caveat that the people that you hate or the people that you disagree with, like you could, you could treat them differently. Instead, it's like, no, you got to pray for your enemies, you know? You got to love people that you don't even like, like how inconvenient could that possibly be in our current context and culture? And so you'll know when people are kind of off, um, you know, off the grid or beginning to kind of play that game of something comes before Christian, whenever you listen to how they're defining the neighbor, you know? So like, let's just, let's just go hot button topics, right? Like one is the border right now. I mean, that's, that's making a big splash all kinds of issues. Florida and Texas is busting and flying people around. Um, it is worth noting that our, our federal government has been doing that as well. I know all the arguments. I'm just for, for those that aren't well rehearsed and read and what's going on. Um, and so that's really, really interesting is how do we define our neighbor and how, what is the Christian church's response? Okay. Um, there is something to be said about um, the widow, right? And the downtrodden. Yes and amen. So there should be a tension that the people showing up to our country 
and this is a, this is a hard pill I know for some to swallow. Like, what's what what have I been given from God? I've been given from God to love the people that He puts in front of me. There it is, right now. Here's the thing that we we then we make the whole conversation though about that, right? Um, we don't. It's like we will then culturally excuse. Well, you know, your neighbor is also the border patrol agent. You know, your 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 neighbor is also the person that's in oil and gas and finance, right? Your your neighbor is all of those people. So see, that's just one of the things that when I'm when I'm saying when you watch how people define their neighbor, they oftentimes they'll define it politically, and that's where you'll know. They'll either talk about the issue at the border in such a way that they will handpick the neighbor that they're most comfortable with or whose cause they most want to champion. And there's your clue right there, just with the neighbor. You'll know, okay? They have no problem what's happening to these folks coming from Central to South America. You'll know something comes before Christian. If they conveniently, constantly leave out, okay, or demonize people who are conservative thinking or people who represent parts of industry that maybe the other side of the aisle does not champion or does not appreciate or does not uplift, then you know they've also put something in front of the name Christian. So it's a problem because that's how you split the church. See, that's how you split the voice of Jesus. I have gone into this one topic several times over the last seven years, and I've noticed that people, again, back to the neighbor, when I go into certain issues, let's say we talk about slavery, right? Um, it, it, it seems to irritate everyone <laughs> in the church. <laughs> Maybe that's my calling in life. I don't know. Maybe it isn't to, to watch a church grow. It's just to irritate the handful of people that show up. I'm not sure. But like, I'll give you an example. Okay. Cause right. Cause there's, there's a segment that wants to keep, like wants to drill home America's history of slavery. And then you could argue that there's a segment who's so tired of hearing about it or would rather ignore it. Right. So, and, and these are two groups of people that sit in the, sit in churches every single Sunday. Right. And most likely they have a pastor, most likely or a preacher of some kind that's going to bang the drum of one or the other. And whenever you are listening to someone teach or preach the word of God and it, and it keeps landing comfortably in a political platform, that's a giant red flag (laughs) and not a red, white, and blue flag, just a red one. Okay. That's all it is. It's bad news. Um, and so you, you even take a, a topic like that. And that was, I, I've made this point before in our, to our congregation at Pilgrim, <clears throat> which by the way, if any of you ever catch this, you're always invited. We'd love to see it. Um, it's just the idea that, you know, you can look in God's word and you can see that slavery messes with a group of people for generations. Like, I don't, I don't have to have a social conversation about it. I can just look at God's word. And he had to literally give folks a new mind, a new heart, new way of interacting with the world. And they were, they, they struggled post Egypt. Okay. Now, when I say that in a church service, like people are like, yeah, yeah, yes. And amen. Like people on one side of the issue are like, all right, all right, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I agree. Right. 
However, um, you can see another side's frustrated and irritated, potentially. Like, where is he going? Why is he going there? Why does he have to go there? Right. But then if you bring out like the other side to it is, well, how what were some of the contributing factors to pulling them out of the mess? Right. Faith, family and education. Pass this on to your children. Write this upon their forehead. Put it across the doorposts in your home. Like that kind of championing, that kind of a thought, right? And therefore, then you turn around and look at a group of people, the other group of people in your congregation and go, listen, any movement that doesn't champion what you know to be one man and one woman in a home, raising a family, championing one God, right? His name is Jesus, right? Championing education in which Christ is woven into that education, then any of that is deception, right? So that quick, I've alienated both groups, right? Because they got their social cause that they believe in, and they believe that their social cause is close enough to the words of Jesus that they'll dig it, you know? And there's just a couple things that they'll hang on to. Yeah, but the next thing that you're being led into is a whole nother issue, right? So that quickly, you're, you can be, if you're me, you're alienated very quickly. <laughs> you have no home. But that's just an example. When you talk about neighbor, who is your neighbor? And that quick, you'll see what people have in front of the name Christian, okay? Um, how we spend our time, right? How we spend our thought, energy, and time. How we spend our money will tell you a whole lot. How's your time spent out there? What consumes your mind out there? What do you devote a lot of your time, effort, energy, and money towards? Is it another God? Is it? What gets you mad and irritated? What gets your blood pressure up? And why does it have that kind of control and power in your life? And what do you think will actually fix, fix the world behind you? There's another lie that you can fix anything, right? How's that supposed to happen, right? So it's all supposed to start within the heart of the individual hearing my voice. It's That's where the problem starts, right? And how you answer all those questions will tell you an awful lot as to whether something has found its way in front of the name Christian as your identifying factor in your life. So I would, I would encourage you um, to, to think about those elements and to know that what Jesus really wants to have happen here is for you to look more like him. And you don't want a Jesus that looks more and more like you. He wants you to look like him. He wants you and your life to be consumed by him and to fit within who he is his mission, and his plan for your life. Um, you take those things up to prayer and ask God to reveal those things in your heart. Man, where you're stressed, where you are beat down, where you're distracted, um, that's not what God wants for you. He wants you to have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, forbearance, understanding, um, you know, to represent him. And that's a hard thing. And that, that, that's a, something that daily has to die in each and every one of us, okay? And I'm, I'm lucky if I can get through a day without having 
to apologize myself <laughs> or, or lay something before Jesus yet again. Um, but that is, that's his desire, that we sit under the full counsel of God and that we identify ourselves as followers of Jesus, first and foremost, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one who holds all nations, all countries, our very world in the palm of his hand. So I hope that is a word of encouragement to each and every one of you. Love you all. God bless you. Uh, we will do this thing again next week. Love you. Bye.